Released in 2010 and seen as something of a return to form for Fincher after the diversive, the curious case of Benjamin Button, the option to make a biopic not only about Mark Zuckerberg but about the creation of Facebook. It, hardly seemed like a project worthy of Fincher's talent, much less the sort of themes that interested him. But here, armed with a script from Aaron Sorkin, he sets about taking a film which essentially should have been a TV movie at best and elevating it into something rather special. I'm Owen. I'm Kim. And you're listening to Moose and Tea. Let's take it to the booth. Tonight we're talking about the social network from 2010, and um, if you're a regular listener to the show, you will also know that this is the film which I claim to be the greatest film of last decade, so we're also going to find out how well that claim lives up as well, so it's going to be uh, interesting on many levels tonight, to say the least, but uh, yeah, as we said, we're ready, we are going to be talking about Social Network, which is the biopic not only about Mark Zuckerberg, but about the creation of uh, Facebook. And it's based on the, the book The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Masaryk, um, who is also responsible for the book uh, The Wolf of Wall Street as well. So when it comes to uh, corrupt business types, he's certainly your go-to guy. But opening thoughts on this one, Kim, I mean, obviously this is, again, very different from what we see in Fincher uh, before, much like uh, Benjamin Button was um certainly with Benjamin Bunny it felt like an excuse to play around with visual effects and uh, do something a little epic and uh here it's 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 a very unusual film for Fincher it doesn't feel like the sort of subject material that he would really sort of be into and yet here he's produced probably one of his best films through his filmography in my personal opinion so yeah I mean Social Network is definitely different from how we see we we would expect Fincher to do movies, especially from, you know, before Curious Case of Benjamin Button. But at the same time, the movie does work for what it is in the sense that I think that as the movie goes along, you start realizing that obviously I don't, I'm not a, I'm not like a connoisseur of biopics. It's not my first choice of movies. Uh, not by a long shot. I probably can count the amount of biopics I've watched with, like, my two hands, or maybe with one hand. I don't know. (laughs) Haven't actually tried. Um, but the deal with this one is that as the movie goes along, you start seeing that there is a bit of, I guess, a bit of, uh, complex characters in the sense that, um, I don't know how true this is to the actual situation that happened, because I'm not to into Facebook <laughs> uh, hmm. or the history of it. Um, but the the deal with this one is that there's a really great cast to support the characters that fit into those roles. 
at the same time, Zuckerberg is given this really good representation by Jesse Eisenberg. And he... And the character of Zuckerberg is very interesting to watch because of how the movie is structured from bouncing from the past to the present uh, lawsuit discussion um, and his connection to all these characters. And in reality, his character feels a little more complex and it leaves a little bit to be questioned whether he's he's kind of more of a mastermind than, than he actually lets himself feel like you know there there seems to be a little bit more to his character than when we end and yet there's no clear answer whether it is the truth i think and there's still i think that's what gives this movie a bit of a turning point at the end because i mean other than that i really don't know like what is the maybe it's just i just feel like maybe fincher went through a phase where he got fed up of doing a certain type of movie and he just decided that maybe this one had something else that he, like, it's still a, you know, try something new phase. Just like, you know, Benjamin Button and this is a biopic and he's, you know, doing a tour of different things and then he'll go back to his roots a little. As you said already, I mean, this is a film which takes place on essentially three different time timelines. We've obviously got the, the past events, which obviously talk about the creation of Facebook and also the events which lead into the two lawsuits which kind of bookend the events uh, the, the main events of the film and certainly with the cast here it's actually pretty astounding the cast that he gets together much less than performances that we get from him I mean dare we say it, this is actually a career best for Jesse Eisenberg here as Mark Zuckerberg I don't think I've ever seen him better than I see him in this film and it's in many ways, it's kind of a shame that uh, he's not not been able to sort of tap into whatever he was channeling with this film because while he's obviously done a very enjoyable roles, you know, like American Ultra and Zombieland, it's just this there's some some sort of spark uh, that that's missing from those performances that we obviously get to see here because he's so commanding of the screen when he when he's on, and especially a character as complex as. Finch's vision of Zuckerberg. I mean, Zuckerberg did obviously go on record to say that he didn't think the film was like a, a fair representation of the events which happened, and that um, that Eisenberg's portrayal of him sort of missed out this key detail that he's the sort of person who likes to just build. Um, which is often how I like to explain why I've got so many podcasts going. Just this love of building thing. <laughs> Yeah, but I think, you know, I think if we look at Eisenberg, there's this, there's this kind of, um, I, I still feel like Jesse Eisenberg fits into this mold, and he's always fit in this mold. And with Zuckerberg, it just happens that it fits into a mold, but having a more complex type of character. I can get why, you know, obviously Zuckerberg doesn't want to be seen as the way he's portrayed, because... You know, the one in the movie, the Zuckerberg version in the movie isn't exactly a likable person. But then if you think about how they wrote Steve Jobs in, in the movie with Michael Fassbender, he wasn't really a likable person either. So maybe all the rich people need to kick a few people out of the way and have some little scheming going in their minds consciously or subconsciously to make things happen. I don't know. Um but at the same, but then I mean, I, I, I didn't, like I said, I don't know the actual going on of the Facebook. I don't know the, I didn't read the book about it. 
Uh, I don't know what the source material is based on, like what 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 is the source material pretty much. So to me, this is just a standalone piece of cinema. And whether it's true to the real person or not, I, I always think Hollywood magic adds a little bit of something extra. So it's hard to be like, you know, too hard on how true it is, but more like the entertainment value that it has. And I think, you know, I, I, I do agree with you that Jesse Eisenberg does really stand out here. And it is probably one of his, one of his best roles that uh, I've seen him in. I have no issues with American Ultra or all those other movies he's done. Um, but uh, at the same time, I also think that I can see why they hired him because of this role, why they hired him for Lex Luthor in now. Uh because originally it was kind of like a head-scratcher how he got that role, and now I kind of can see where they're getting that evil mastermind kind of deal going from, from okay. you know, some I of mean, the parts that he's in in terms here. of, obviously, the relationship of the book, I mean, the book itself, it, well, it's still in an unfinished draft, and it was when the publishers started shopping it around for film adaptation. And it was really, Zorkin says that it was around page three that he basically said that he wanted to take a crack at adapting it for for Sorkin it was less about the invention of Facebook because he basically saw it as being as modern as it gets but the story itself it tapped into those classic Mm -hmm. themes of friendship loyalty jealousy class and power and that's really sort of like the elements of the film which are also the most interesting parts about the film the fact that it's about Facebook is really just more sort of a background element to bring these characters together. The real interesting aspect of the film is how you've got this war of class. You've got this battle between the new ideals and the traditions. Uh, In this case, the, we see we have uh, like Harvard and uh, the Winklevosses who won't sue, um, (laughs) who won't sue uh, Mark, even though he's basically, taking their idea and running with it because they're tied to this Harvard coder system and they're not going to bring shame on Harvard um, by having a, as they put it, having a knife fight in in the uh, campus papers. So there's a lot of really interesting ideas and I just love how the film sort of, film sort of, sort of structured, much less how it's shot. Um, and it just rattles along at such a... A fast pace it never gets mm-hmm. weighted down in like the details and certainly when you've got litigations and you've got court cases there's obviously bookending it here it's like so easy to get caught up in all the facts and all the minute details but here Sorkin's script sort of really filters it down to like what are the key things we need to know what are the motivations that are driving these people and that's that's always Mm -hmm. what makes this film so great it just constantly focuses on what it needs to it doesn't weigh it down with stupid side plots and uninteresting elements it just characters and how they evolve as the facebook evolves essentially that's a really good point um obviously there's there's the whole i think that in in the spectrum of things being a movie about how Facebook is made and not taking that as a main event is really what wins the script because then we get all this all these complex characters and we can really dive into to who they are by how they react to the situation and and just we understand them by just the this conversations that they have as well and this is really what pushes it forward i mean like you said the script keeps moving um they don't 
it, it jumps forward in time. It's it's kind of a big contrast if we think about it to Benjamin Button's script, which was really fleshed out because we went through like timelines of age moving by and it got really confusing. And this one, we don't really need to know the timeline, but at the same time, we have a good idea of just how these people are reacting to their increased fame and popularity and just more money, um, which changes them a little bit uh, and kind of changes the perspective of, of kind of how everybody has their own motivation of why they wanted to happen, wanted this to happen in the first place. You know, there, there's uh, obviously you know, Eisenberg isn't only about, in the movie at least, he's not only about making Facebook, we realize at the end that it's really because he he kind of is in line with the character of um, a bit like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Sean Parker, who was played by Justin Timberlake. And they kind of have this whole revenge. They want to prove themselves. They want to be more than, you know, just the, just like, you know, a nobody. They want to be. They want to be somebody. They want to be recognized that they're a success, um, and it's this desire that kind of makes them very, I guess, uh, one-track-minded in that sense, where they ignore a lot of the stuff around them, including obviously friends. Like for for Mark Zuckerberg, it would have been it's it's Andrew Garfield's character, Eduardo. Yeah, I think the. That when you look at the characters of Zuckerberg and um, as you as you mentioned already, um, mm-hmm. Sean Parker. I mean, Sean Parker obviously created Napster, and he's at this point when he meets Zuckerberg, he's basically come off his second film venture because he's been sued sued into bankruptcy by the music mm-hmm. industry for what Napster essentially created. Um, his next project, the online Rolodex, he gets booted out of which he makes him just a paranoid personality and now he sees with Facebook this opportunity once again to shake up the system and these are two characters who are sort of like the second generation nerds who are going to take over the world they're following in the wakes of, of the likes of Jobs and um, Wozniak and uh, Bill Gates that uh, we obviously see Bill Gates um, has a cameo in this film he's giving a speech in the in the lecture hall and it's sort of like you have catch talk about like who could be the next Bill Gates and that they all see Zuckerberg as being that guy because he's essentially whereas they obviously gave with this generation the technology, they're the ones who are like, Okay, we have the technology, what do we do with it now? And in this case it's obviously creating the Facebook, this social network, um, to bring people across and whereas and he's like he taps into this idea so quickly because when it's broached to him by the wing courses it's all about the exclusivity of having the harvard um the harvard email attached to it and that's what it's all about it's just another it's another so another exclusive club because we all see like a, and it's mentioned as well in the start that um with eduardo he wants to get into a finals club there's all this big emphasis on that you have to be part of the finals club and it's all exclusivity and it's like you know, the most privileged uh, people and the ones who are going to be, like, opening the doors to the ones who go to final club. And what Zuckerberg and Sean are basically uh, creating is they're basically saying, like, no, we're going to scrap that whole system. We're going to go and achieve things and we're going to kick open doors, but we're not going to rely on the finals clubs to do this or just the exclusivity of our email. 
Um, and I think this is the thing. This is what really sort of infuriates the Winklevoss, especially is the fact that, you know, their idea is just being taken and done better. It's not the with their short sightedness was just it was all about status and who you are, but um, it was never about that. It was always about just people connecting with people and being able to see what everyone else is doing. <laughs> well, Winklevoss's was a little bit more direct. It was it was really like rich boys getting girls and. They wanted to use this as kind of like a part of a, a bit like a dating. Oh, site. yeah. But Zuckerberg was able to see was able to see further than them. They saw that you know, dating site wasn't it's not all about dating site. It's more the fact that people want to know about each other. And and obviously it had a lot to do with with obviously his desire of being noticed a little bit more, uh, which kind of perk that interest especially with you know starting off we had that first sequence of him setting up face mash or whatever is that is that name and 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 how it was just yeah just a, he... a site that kind of pissed everyone off but it was was really uh yeah i love the i think that opening sequence is probably one of my favorite moments of the whole film um and uh, you know how you often like hear people like who are like into like combat sports and stuff, and they talk about how they watch like Bruce Lee uh, movies and stuff, and like tr- Bruce Lee like um, training routines and stuff to get themselves psyched up for the routine. It's sort of like when I go like go into a big project, I just put on that scene where he's creating face mash of this idea that when he's obviously into, and I think it's like the perfect introduction as well for the Zuckerberg character of of this world, where he's shown as this person who's constantly thinking of at least two or three ideas at the same time much to the frustration of his girlfriend erica who's basically constantly like one step behind the conversation it feels like and so the point where she just finally has enough and dumps him and it's out of this um him not being able to deal with the situation that he decides that you know what i'm going to do i'm going to sit at home get drunk blog about how angry I am and I'm going to create a site where I say take all the female students of from campus and put them into a site which allows people to rate them against each other compared to like the original idea which was to put them next to pitch the farmyard animals and have them rate that which is just <laughs> oh that would have been even worse <laughs> for his public opinion so but um, yeah I mean he carries out this amazing hack while drunk um, as proven by the fact he's blogging about it and the fact that even when he's like facing like the head of security for the campus and stuff he's like basically like you know you should really be thanking me and he's like why should we be thanking you it's like because I exposed all these flaws in your system and it's like you'd think that and then they go into like say how about how they caught me it's like well all you need to do is just look <laughs> at my window and you would have seen where I was so even without the power of Facebook he's this person who's clearly operating on a different intellectual level i don't want to say that it's sort of like he's got like a like an autistic sort of personality which i know a lot of people have said because of how he lacks in sort of social interactions and has a personality which focuses more on intellectual pursuit um because he does have people he cares about i mean he has obviously his friendship with eduardo um which i think towards the end does get sort of like pushed aside and Eduardo's sort of seen as being a less important character but we have to remember that Eduardo is here making making money for his investments because of his interest in meteorology so he was able to predict when people were going to be buying more heating fuel um, and make and turn that into a profit so 
he's um, he's not a person who's sort of like a, a slouch there to be sort of like manipulated uh, by Zuckerberg into giving him sort of seed money for the, yeah. for the project. Yeah, I mean, Eduardo's character is interesting also. I think that a lot of what he does is he... It is about the friendship for him more than it's about the business. And especially when talking business to Zuckerberg is like talking to a wall, you know, like <laughs> during the entire movie is just kind of like, <laughs> it just goes right over his head. Like, because Zuckerberg is just so, so socially awkward is the word I would call it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I didn't link it to anything else other than that. Uh, but the fact that just, he's socially awkward and Jesse Eisenberg does fantastic in the socially awkward department. So, I think that was one of the reasons why I think he fit the role so well. Um, but if we think about Eduardo, Eduardo is kind of, from from the beginning to the end, he just feels like this very, um, I think he's meant to be that way, where he's kind of like the person behind the scenes. He gets the, he gets this good role because he put in the initial seed money for this whole investment to kick off and all that stuff. And a lot of it is out of anger. He's, he's very angry about the fact that after he put all this time in, his friend kind of, like, boots him out. So Eduardo is not... You can even see it as he's suing suing Zuckerberg in those scenes where he really doesn't want to look at him a lot. He's not really facing this person. He's not happy with him. He's just disappointed in how this friendship went and went down in the end. Um, and Zuckerberg was kind of, I think that the character of Zuckerberg is very interesting because we see the distance between the two friendships and it has to do a lot with this Sean Parker fellow who comes along, who kind of strokes his ego a lot and gives Zuckerberg kind of a lot of thoughts about how Eduardo is pulling them down and taking the wrong approach and... And Zuckerberg buys into it. I'm not saying, obviously, Sean Parker knows what he's talking about, because if it wasn't this character, the like Facebook wouldn't have gotten to the stage that it was. But at the same time, it just feels kind of... Like, I feel really bad for Eduardo when I was watching this. I was just like, this is so sad. He's always like... It's always the best friends that get, that get kicked out, just like the Steve Jobs. There's like the Steve Jobs movie also. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very much but i mean with the with uh this film i mean we obviously get a better we get this sort of analogy with you've got sean who's sort of like the devil on zuckerberg's shoulder who's sort of like saying you know go for the billion dollar idea you know let's push this as far as we can and we're just going to go absolutely big and you've got um eduardo who's kind of like the more angel character is sort of like saying you know we should like to, we should like build this we should lay sort of foundations we shouldn't just like buy into like this big uh sort of investment hype and i think sean in many ways he sort of gets zuckerberg sort of wrapped up in this this huge idea of like what it could be i mean he obviously pitches he tells them like the story of um victoria's secret about how the founder basically just wanted a, a way to buy his wife naughty underwear without the sort of embarrassment of having to go into a store um, and that when he sells the company, it's then turned into this billion-dollar empire because um, the people who take it over are the ones who got vision, and he doesn't want to see Zuckerberg's idea being sort of squandered in the same way. But it's so hard when you look at Sean's role in this. There's while he obviously brings a lot to the sort of table and it plays an important sort of role in 
in sort of like uh, pushing the the what Facebook is forward, he is kind of in many ways. It's hard to not look at him and think, "Oh, why are you just riding on the coattails of someone else's idea?" <laughs> but the thing is, Sean Parker is a manipulative character, and he's something of he's not exactly meant to be likable either. Because he always, he, in the end, we realize his main agenda was really one track minded. And it draws a parallel to why Zuckerberg wanted to do face mash and then got into Facebook and all that is to be noticed. While for him, it's a big revenge plot. He wants to use Zuckerberg's Facebook to kind of piss off the, to, to kind of get back at the, um, at the, the, the whatever company that he was dealing with, um. What's the name of the company? I forgot. Uh, Case Equity, who kind of was responsible for how he kind of, how his company, <laughs> how his his ventures died off, right? So to him, it's more of a, a vengeful thing. And he, he, he kind of makes it feel like Zuckerberg is, is an ally. But at the same time, Sean Parker has his own agenda. And if, and at the end, we kind of have this feeling that, Zuckerberg was just playing along with him the whole time, but he's actually very clear in his mind where who this person is and what he's trying to make him do. It kind of makes you think that maybe Zuckerberg isn't as... He may be socially awkward, but he sees the situation a lot clearer than, like, Eduardo thinks that Sean was, you know, that, that Zuckerberg was just buying into Sean's, Sean's whole preaching thing about where the business is going to go and buying into all his ideas. But maybe there was something a little bit more. At least that's how I felt. Well, especially when we go, when we get to the end and then we kind of see, well, the question is, did Zuckerberg call the cops on this whole party thing? Right. At the end and, and, and kind of was, and kind of kicked him out of the picture. Yeah, it's certainly, I mean, it's, there's so many interesting elements of that that end. I mean, Sean's basically shown as being, while well, Frodo is his bluster, he's essentially just a coward, um, because yeah. Eduardo Eduardo threatening to punch him just has him has him almost in tears. Which I think Justin Timberlake never gets enough credit for how well he does people being upset. He can really do emotion that kid can, um, and it's also the interesting how well we've now taken to Timberlake being an actor, not just a a little pop star, and it it just how well he's managed to flow from one to the other, and I think he, here he just really sells the role which requires such charisma to do, and even though he's a character of such dubiousness, um, you can understand why Zuckerberg would want to be associated with him, why he takes his advice to turn up to a meeting in his dressing gown and gets the, the business cards that says, CEO, bitch. Um, <laughs> I, he plays so much in like molding, I think leading the paving the way for what Zuckerberg could become. Um, but at the same time, he's he's a sort of character who does hide behind a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a bit a bit of a kind of facade, which I think is is what really sort of comes clear at the end. And mm-hmm. I think Fincher really goes out of his way to try to really make him as pathetic as possible, not only by Eduardo threatening to punch him, but when we see him being busted at the party, is sort of like. He's got all like this um, anti-allergy spray. He's got his inhaler that he has to take and stuff. And it's all like, how can we reduce this person just to like the lowest point? Um, and just by having him pull out his inhaler seems to be the way for that Fincher decides to go with that. But it's um, 
it's, it's as I say, it's just when you see like um, as you said already. I mean, with Zuckerberg, his focus is always on just build on his his creation. He's constantly he's self, he's almost self sabotages any business meeting they go into, leading like a water to remark that you know it probably would have been better if he had been asleep in the meetings. Um, as he just makes obnoxious noises and you see when Sean deals with business people he doesn't bring Mark to them he leaves him in the office because that's where he's best to be yeah and but you know I mean if we talk about all of these characters they're all they're all kind of portrayed as losers and I think that was one of the main point of what Sean Parker had at the end like Zuckerberg thought that he was such a success but in reality he's using all these successes and then failures and kind of just playing it up where he he has a a smart smart mind to uh, of capturing where these ventures are will get their success but at the same time he's i think that zuckerberg sees through to him in a certain way that he's actually somewhat of a loser also like he he's he's all kind of like you know he has his in, like you said he has his inhaler like physically <laughs> uh, he's very weak and at the same time when you see him kind of act a certain way towards towards Eduardo I think he's I think in a certain way Zuckerberg is standing up for his friend that way as well um, because he does feel like he's gone a little overboard with how he's treating his best yeah. friend even though. Even though, you know, he, he can, even though Eduardo did kind of do a very, like, he tried to really put them into a bad situation by freezing their account and whatnot. Uh, out of, you know, out of spite, pretty much, and anger. Yeah, well, this whole Facebook fantasy that we're being sold here. I love the fact that it's sold as, like, the ultimate uh, coding um, sort of Silicon Valley sort of fantasy that we have here. It's sort of like when we look at other sort of like um, when like Wolf of Wall Street, it's all about you know hookers and blow and money <laughs> raining from the skies. We look at the Silicon Valley dream. It's sort of about like oh yeah, we're just gonna hang out in this house and we're gonna code for like thirty six hours and we're gonna play drinking game coding <laughs> things. Like when he's getting coders for his team and it's sort of like oh we set this challenge where they got to they've got to hack this uh, network and they've got to do shots and every five minutes the program changes it's sort of like wow this is how coders really party isn't it so <laughs> but Fincher makes it seem like it's like the coolest place to hang out um even though anyone who's done code I don't know if coding's I think I think it I think it kind of focuses on the fact that what he finds cool is not the same as he's on a different wavelength as everybody else yeah. and while we we have th we have this misconception of of you know him being a nerd and he's trying to break out of this thing but i think it all got dials back to 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 in the in the beginning he's trying like erica makes a comment about how he's unlikable because he's an asshole and not because he's a nerd it has nothing to do with him being a nerd and in the end he when we're watching this part, there is a fun side to him in a certain way. But at the same time, isn't he just doing the same thing of how he got the idea for Face Mash? Where he was getting he was getting drunk and then he was writing blogs and then coding this thing where he was hacking into a system. It's the same thing. He's just repeating the same thing to see who can accomplish the same amount of productivity and creativity that he had when he was in the same situation type of thing. 
and turned it into a game, turned it into a competition to, for whoever wanted to, you know, whoever would make it into the company. Uh, now I want to talk a little bit about the finals clubs that we see throughout the film. I mean, in particular, Eduardo's sort of quest to be part of uh, getting access to the so final club. So we see him going through various stages of hazing, um, which all are presented and made to look so bloody ridiculous. Like the finals clubs. And I couldn't help but wonder if this is like Fincher thumbing his nose at uh, the establishment once again by, you know, these things that are supposed to be held in such high regard. He just like shows them as being these antiquated asshole uh, camps that they are. Um, so we have like, it's like Eduardo, he's got to like hang out with a chicken. So, and which in turn leads him to this charge of enforced cannibalism because he feeds his chicken, um, chicken strips. So, in one of the more random but still pretty amusing moments of the film, I have to add, and we see them like engaging in these weird drinking games, and it's it's just as I said, the whole every time that we see these establishments being shown shown, um, you can see Finch on the other hand constantly like finding ways to knock them down, like the fact that we have the um, that the fraternity who have to basically send a bus round to to round up women and use the prestige of the place to get women to sleep with them. We see the wrinkle bosses are supposed to be this, you know, this uh, biologically superior rowing team, but they get thrashed. Um, so it's just constant. And then at the same time, they're like, they're the, it's supposed to be like this old dominant, they're supposed to be the the perfect physical specimens. And yet here they are being bested by the nerdy kid. It's just, um, Fincher constantly seems to be like playing the, uh, plays the film so that the underdogs are constantly the ones on top here I mean in the end it's kind of it, it kind of also takes the takes the path in in the sense that maybe like there's a lot of rich kids in in these elite schools mm. these Ivy League schools and then but maybe all of them are riding on on their their elite status and their exclusivity in these clubs uh, to get where they need to be. And not exactly, you know, because if you think about the Winkle bosses, they're kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> they kind of didn't really think the whole deal out, right? Before they got Zuckerberg into the situation. I mean, you're asking some guy with, like, what, a perfect IQ level yeah. or whatever to to join into your team like why would he do it out of like no reasoning he didn't ask any questions he just said you he pitched the, they pitched the plan he didn't say anything he they he pitched a plan and then he was like yeah sure i'll do it and then they didn't second thought they didn't give a second thought about all these things right and and in a certain way you just think that the winkle bosses are kind of stupid in that sense and you kind of watch this go go forward where i wonder if there was anything that I didn't think was necessary in the movie, it was kind of the Winklevosses because they felt kind of empty. Like even their lawsuit side, it was it kind of padded out the first half, and then the second half they kind of we kind of forgot about them. Yeah, their lawsuit was very like you know second, you know like the second choice because Eduardo's lawsuit was more. I guess more relevant at that point. I think when it comes to the the Rinkovos's, uh lawsuit um, and their sort of involvement in the thing, it's really important in showing the development of Zuckerberg as a character. He's no longer the nerdy kid that yeah. we see at the start of the film, as I said, blogging angrily um, and creating 
rather offensive websites. No, now he's like the head of this multi-billion-dollar corporation, um, and as he says, he just sits in the sits in these um, in these these offices while the lawyers are going over the thing, and he he openly admits he's bored, and he shuts them down every time they try to like intimidate him he just constantly shuts them down he says you know if my client the truth of the matter is if your clients could have created the facebook they would have created the facebook um and you know i if your clients want to sit on my shoulders and call themselves told so be it but i'm not going to sit here and be lied to and he's just like does not care he's not intimidated in the slightest and he's more inconvenienced than anything the fact that he as he says his mind's back with facebook that his people would working on improving and creating something so beyond what the Vinklosses could have ever come up with. Um, and I think that's where it's important there's some inclusion in this, not only for, you know, providing the shady beginnings of the Facebook, but also just to show the development of Zuckerberg's character. Um, yeah. I mean, the wing, I, th- I think at the end, I think what it is is the fact that we have this whole comparison of, of really the competent versus the incompetent and it has nothing to do with how much money you have kind of thing <laughs> and 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 where your education level is and all that thing it could really be something that is a little is a little nudge at kind of like the the ivy league schools or people in 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 i don't know uh in fancy universities yeah. i guess uh, I could say that because I didn't go to a fancy university, obviously. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in the in the end, I, I I don't know. I mean, there's in the end. I mean, basically, they think that they've won, but what they've essentially achieved is shooting a BB gun at a freight train. It's nothing that they've achieved. He yeah. basically pays them off because he knows that he's is points out in the fact that he's unsympathetic in the eyes of a jury yeah so he's more likely to lose more more if it goes to court so by essentially paying them off making them think they've won is the better case in the long run because they've it's it's nothing what um he essentially is paying them um and that's basically what it it comes down to i mean the whole the only thing that has been achieved is them wasting each other's time um but you know, I think I think that's the that, that was exactly what I was going to say. And it all is I really like social network and I love movies do that, which is able to connect the beginning to the end. That in reality this person the only change in Zuckerberg's character from the beginning to the end is that he's become unsympathetic, but he's always been unsympathetic. It wasn't like he has changed. He was an asshole in the beginning with Erica and he still is at the end. <laughs> The only thing was he wanted to change the image. What kick-started this was that he wanted to change the image of who he was. And he wanted to prove that he was more than these row crew guys that Erica always talked about uh, it, what that we had in the first conversation. And then screwing over the Winklevosses was his way to do that, kind of proving that. And then Facebook was able to create so much and then be able to go on the campus that she was and on all these school campuses and show off that he can be a success. And it all comes full circle in the end when we end that final scene. And it doesn't matter about what he's done all through this whole thing. But that final conversation where he has where in the fate, in the eyes of the jury, he's this unsympathetic person. He's that he won't win the case because he's not a likable person. 
So in the end, it's his social awkwardness that he kind of pays everyone off to kind of just shut up. And, and, but at the end, when we finally see it, what he cares about is getting, I guess, just having that conversation with Erica. So he sends out a friend request to her on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it's, in many ways, it's trying to him make right with the, the word. I mean, obviously, the Vinkvoss is just to pay him off the scrape bucks to get him to shut up. Um, yeah, because because if you think about Winklevosses, he's he tells them to shut up, but at the same time, when we when we look at the final you know wording of it, Eduardo gets back his his co-founder yes. name, and and it's a different treatment in that sense, right? Because Eduardo, we don't know how much a settlement is, and it might just be between the two of them they found a settlement because in reality he still cares about Eduardo. And we can see that in the conversation. He doesn't seem to care too much, as in he doesn't listen to him a lot. But I think that the the point that he brings out, Eduardo brings out, was that I'm your own, I'm your one friend, and this is how you treat me, type of thing. And it kind of, maybe it hits him that we see that Zuckerberg didn't wasn't he didn't say how he helped the situation, but maybe there was a little bit more to to this whole situation. Yeah, I think uh, Waddle got the feeling that, you know, he'd been replaced with Sean in their sort of friendship towards the end and that you can tell really when he looks at the empty chair where Waddle has formerly been that, you know, he actually did miss his friend and he did actually care for his, his friend. So by putting, you know, restoring his, uh, his sort of status really was his way of just making trying to make things right again and i think that's also it's sort of very reinforced with like him trying to refriend his um his ex-girlfriend erica on at the end of the film which is i don't know it's not the best ending but you know it felt like this was the last thing that he needed to do to sort of make everything right again um you know he pays the winkles off himself to get them off his case he makes things right with um eduardo and now he's just trying to make things right with his ex who is frequently shown wants nothing to do with him at all because as she explains you know the internet's written written in ink and uh nobody's exactly going to forget the fact that uh he said some rather harsh things about her um her wardrobe choices (laughs) and family name (laughs) to say the least so um but uh, yeah, I, it's, it's um, it it just the structure of the film. I think it works really, really well, in much the same way that uh, yeah. Steve Jobs um, worked really well. And it's funny the fact I mean Steve Jobs was another Fincher project for the longest time, and it would have been a perfect companion piece to this film to have both Steve Jobs and uh, and this film, and both films obviously written by Anne Sorkin as well. So you would have been uh, would have been really great, but. I mean, it's nothing, obviously, against the director, Danny Boyle, who obviously took on uh, Steve Jobs and did a really fantastic job of it as well. So, um, One last... I mean, something else I want to bring up here, and that's the character of Christy Lee, um, who is kind of um, a Wado's girlfriend, but also kind of a nutbag. Um, and she's here played <laughs> by Brenda Song. Her importance in the film, I mean, did you think that she was sort of like uh, actually contributed anything because I felt in many ways she was there to sort of like represent the Facebook user. I mean, she obviously mentions when she uh meets that meets both um Eduardo and, and Zuckerberg as and as kind of like her f- as uh kind of groupies uh that she uses the term Facebook me and she's has all these sort of like 
a lot of her sort of like dialogue and interactions with uh with Eduardo is based around how the the site's been used, the fact that he still has um himself listed as single, which he perceives as um his attempt to go and bang uh chicks over in Silicon Valley and it's more just the case he doesn't know how to use Facebook. So I was interested to see how you sort of perceived her perceived her character really. I mean, you can look at it in two ways. I do agree that she does represent the Facebook user because it, it, it all started with how they realized that Facebook was being popular on other campuses be- through the, her when when she she and her friend approaches them both. Um, and obviously one of them ends up being the, the girlfriend and then Christy ends up being the girlfriend of Eduardo. Uh, but at the same time, her role is something more, I think, in the sense that we kind of see her as also represents a side of Eduardo, which is a little bit more, I guess, how he deals with people. Uh, because he holds on to her even though she's kind of a crazy person. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of, I wouldn't call her a crazy person. She's just very extreme, probably very uh, possessive type mm. of thing. Um, I don't, I don't know how to determine that, uh, but I I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what some other, some people date. I don't know. Some people like crazy chicks. Uh, And, uh, the people (laughs) who sort of like, you buy them a nice scarf and then they use it to set fire to your bed. (laughs) (laughs) She's kind of extreme. I love that line though. The fact that he buys this scarf is like, what made you think I wanted a scarf? It's like, well, maybe you could start (laughs) a scarf collection, which is probably the most stupidest thing you can say. But. but see, that's the thing is, in a certain way, Eduardo's character's interaction with Christy is also reflective of his character and how he deals with other people. Because we really only see Eduardo dealing with Mark Zuckerberg and then dealing with Christy. And then everything else when he deals with other people is even when he goes to these like meetings and stuff with with Mark Zuckerberg, the focus is on Mark Zuckerberg because he's making funky sounds, you know, like crappy obnoxious noises. And that's ruining the deal. It's not about the discussion discussion himself. So Eduardo is very kind of like not as complex and not as deep of a character that we've looked at. But with Christy, we kind of see that he holds on to things that maybe he holds on to things longer than he should. Just like he holds on to this friendship with Zuckerberg, even though it feels kind of like it's toxic and it feels like he's being kind of mistreated, like he's being ignored and he never he's never listened to and he's just kind of like the the rich boy kind of deal and he has the money to put into this, you know? I've- he has more money than than Zuckerberg, obviously. Yeah. So you could say that, but I mean, Eduardo, throughout the whole film, he's just constantly looking for a place to belong, for that sort of acceptance. Really, I mean, he's sort of like he sees himself as originally trying to be part of the finals club, so he's there trying to go for the initiations there. They yeah. see he's like, you know, wait a minute, I'm part of Facebook, and then he's taken out there, and it's sort of like, well, I've got a a hot girlfriend um, and then that sort of like goes up in his face as well so he's constantly looking but, for acceptance from people um, but I think that that's, that's but that that also is what carries him right and Christy has that effect where he he may be holding on to this relationship because of 
what she represents and kind of the I don't know someone tracking you down you might not be too happy about but at least someone is there at the end of the day because it feels like during this whole thing his father isn't really in the picture a lot right and his parents don't seem to be really in the picture a lot they just kind of throw money and he gets money to do all these things that he wants yeah definitely um where were we talking about uh, supporting Castor? Uh, Josh Pence plays the body dump, uh, body double for Arnie Hammer because Arnie Hammer's obviously duplicated here, leading many people to question where's the extra Arnie Hammer gone. Um, but uh, yeah, Josh Pence you can see uh, puts in also a little cameo as the guy who's detoured from the bathroom uh, when uh, Zuckerberg and Safran um, sorry and Eduardo return from doing what they're doing with the groupies in there. I'll leave that up to your own imaginations. Um, and um, we also get to see Aaron Sorkin turns up as one of the ad executives as well. Um, now, another key part of the film is the soundtrack. And this is the first time that uh, Fincher works with uh, Trent Razor and Atticus Ross for the soundtrack. Uh, two names who've obviously gone on to do do great things with Fincher. I mean, they obviously did the soundtrack for Gone Girl. More recently, they did the soundtrack for the Watchmen HBO series as well. Uh, they're just really in demand as, uh, for their soundtrack skills. And here, they really put together some a really sort of nice sort of soundtrack that perfectly complements the film, whether it's uh, the boat race sequence where they rework Call of the Mountain King, which perfectly sort of represents the sort of tension and uh, frustration of of the action as it unfolds it's almost like perfectly choreographed to what's happening on the screen there um now i mean what did you obviously think of the soundtrack i don't know if you're a nine inch snails fan or not but <laughs> i'm not i thought the sound i thought the soundtrack was good but um i mean i don't i think it worked like it blended well with the movie itself yeah. but i don't like I, I don't normally look at you know very deeply at soundtrack so i like it it's um it, it's a good one to have on the background if you're, if you're studying or building things. So, I'll give it that much. I don't. I don't normally listen to soundtracks in my background. No. <laughs> so, yeah. I used to when I was like fifteen. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I really like the the soundtrack to uh, this film. I think it's really great, and um, it it sort of captures the. It catches really the sort of sound of Nine Inch Nails without going as, as heavy off them. So I think if you're a fan of a fan of them, and it's an unusual choice to have that uh, Fincher would seek them out to do the soundtrack for this film. But at the same time, it's when you hear the soundtrack and, and listen to how it plays in sort of the background. So you can't really think of anyone else doing the soundtrack for this film. It just sort of perfectly suits the film that he's um, he's creating, really. So. Well, I mean, Fincher did work with Nine Inch Nails in, like, 2005, so maybe that's how he got the connection. Yeah, I guess so. So, you know, he, he it's not really, like, it, it's resourceful since he does do a lot of music videos and stuff, so. <laughs> that he does. He does love his, um, <laughs> that's basically what he was doing, I mean, when, after Alien Free fell for he just went back to doing music videos and commercials and to uh obviously he got his chance to do seven and then sort of really f goes back and forth now between 
the sort of different mediums, which I think is like one of the few few directors of that sort of group. I mean, you obviously look at like Michelle Gondre and Spike Jones, as we mentioned already, who still obviously get to go off and do these smaller creative projects as well as their feature film works. Other people like Mark Romanak, who should be breaking out from doing music videos and uh, commercials, they're sort of never quite finding that one film to sort of like fully break them out. So, but, um, Yeah, anything else you want to talk about this one? No, cool. I'm good. Um, so, further viewing, if you like the social network, what would you pair with it? Well, I mean, we've talked, we've talked to no end about comparing it to Steve yeah. Jobs, so I think that that's definitely um, a good one. Uh, the one we're talking about, as always, is Michael Fassbender's one. I forgot the year that it was released. Um, and then... Uh, for me, like I said, I don't watch a whole lot of biopics, so I'm just going to talk about things that another movie that I thought was uh, based on a book, also reflecting a real life situation, and that's the big short. I thought that was good choice. That movie pairs well because it's also done in a very, it's a fun way of portraying a rather uh, crappy situation, <laughs> a crappy economic situation. Um, so. I think that, you know, it, it's it's one that really, between all of the lingo, it kind of ca- tries to keep it in layman's terms, and, and it's one of the reasons why I really liked it, presented the way that it, it, the, presented the way that it was. Oh, yeah, I think The Big Short is a fantastic uh, comparison piece to, to this one. I mean, obviously, Adam McKay, who I believe went on to do Joker. I mean, you should really check that out before, but, um, yeah, it, as you said, it's, a great way of, of explaining a difficult subject. Um, and the fact that we have these aside, so we have like these fourth wall breaking moments with Margot Robbie in a bubble bath or Anthony yeah. Bourdain. And, yeah, exactly. And they explain like what's a subprime mortgage or what's collateralized debt obligations. And it's sort of like, it's great. It's sort of like, it's like, okay, we've got this thing. We'll stop the film explain it now back to the film <laughs> and uh yeah i just thought it was uh it was a really great and way of explaining such yeah, a really because, complicated because thing in, yeah because the big short was kind of like this thing that happened in the world and everybody you know you kind of have an idea of what's going on and then but but it could be a movie that if it was executed in a bad way it would have been boring to tears you know type of thing but they, you know, I'm not a big fan. Like, I did business school, and economics was not my favorite thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, like, a lot of this was about talking about all these things and talking about, you know, banking terms and mortgages and all that stuff. All, all these very, very uninteresting things to be presented on TV. And the script itself and how it's executed gave it so much life. And I think that that in reality is is a really great comparison to social network because social network if it was about the making of facebook would have been very boring but the fact that it was about the minds behind the creation of facebook and the dilemma and conflicts that happened because of facebook gave it a different angle that really lifted it to be a movie better than you would have expected it to be. Because honestly, that was one of the reasons why I didn't watch Social Network, was I was like, why do I want to look at the creation of Facebook? And then, obviously, when you put it as your top movie of the last decade, I felt like I needed to get on board with this soon. (laughs) 
and it just happened that we were doing Fincher after, so it gave me Give the excuse. perfect entrance point, mm. right? <laughs> I'm curious to know if you felt that that was like an over overestimation on my part. I mean. I wouldn't I, okay look I wouldn't give it like the best No, but movie I'm saying of like do you think it's like up but, there? But but it is but it is I I always enjoy movies which are which are pleasantly surprising to watch. Like they turned out a lot better than I expected it to be. Um it's always those things that take you by surprise which kind of lifts it a little bit higher, I think. Just like, you know, a bad movie What's worse, a bad movie or a disappointing yeah. movie? You kind of remember the disappointing movie more than the bad movie. Good point. Um, the one I would uh, pair with this myself, I mean, I would obviously put Wolf of Wall Street because it's just this idea of people taking an idea and then blowing it up into extreme proportions. I mean, it's an absolute powerhouse role by Leonardo DiCaprio um, while under the direction of uh, Martin, Martin Scorsese. And again, one of his career best, and it's a free out plus movie. Yet under Scorsese's direction, it just absolutely flies by. Uh, the other one I want to recommend pairing with this, and this is just really under the case of you were saying that you don't watch a lot of biopics, and this is another one which I found to be such a surprisingly and enjoyable biopic, and that would be Man on the Moon, um, which is a um, Jim Carrey uh, film. It's a biopic about Andy Kaufman. And it's a role which Jim Carrey just absolutely embodies. And you can certainly watch the uh, Netflix documentary, uh, Jim and Andy, where mm. it shows just how method he was in that role, which is just quite absolutely startling. And I've heard people like praise, you know, Carrey's performance, where people said it was absolutely disgusting the way he was acting towards people on set. But when you see the film, it's just an absolutely astounding performance. And I mean, this is... Uh, at the part of Carrie's career where he's still kind of known as his rubber-faced loon. I mean, he's done, obviously, like the Truman Show, but this really showed him flexing his dramatic chops. And at the same time, we've got Courtney Love giving a non-irritating role. She proves that she can really act, and um, I think it's just a really fantastic film. And not only that, it's also releasing the greatest movie year ever, 1999. So, another one for that column. But uh, yeah, those would be my ones. And I think definitely, as we said already, I mean, Steve Jobs is a perfect companion piece and The Big Short is an absolutely fantastic shout as well. So that would, uh, I would totally agree with your your picks there, Kim. <laughs> um, well, that brings us to the end of another edition of Movies and Tea. Thank you as always for listening. Um, if uh, you want to obviously get in touch with us, you can do right on Facebook and Twitter and on Instagram. And you can also check out our full archive episodes at moviesandteapodcast.wordpress.com, which also has various uh, review pieces to be written. We also have the Friday Film Club, where each Friday myself and Kim both pick a film to put together into a fun double feature. Sometimes they're theme, sometimes they're not. Either way, it's a chance for us to share more of the movies that we love with you, the listener. Um, but Kim, where do we go next? We're heading to the year after in 2011. Um, also a adaptation of a book um, with of the same name, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, another kind of forgotten entry on uh, Fincher's filmography and a film which a lot of people were very excited to 
I see its release, um, an English language adaptation of a series which had already been given a Swedish adaptation. But how did uh, Fincher approach this? It's um, certainly one I'm keen to revisit and see whether perhaps we were too quick to judge this, especially as it's uh, now a series left in development hell. So that's uh, obviously on our next episode. But uh, until then, thank you for listening. And uh, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe buttons and maybe leave us a review. It all helps raise the profile of the show. Um, And thank you as always to my co-host Kim. And we'll be back next time to talk about the girl with the dragon tattoo. Until then, good night.